Hello, therapists. Today, Becca and I are joined by Sherry Nishimura. Located in Phoenix City, Alabama, Sherry was a student in my first round of Massage in the Real World. And she has a really interesting story to share about finding a place to operate her massage business. So Sherry, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's, a, yeah. it's an awesome opportunity. Thank you. Yeah. And obviously you and I, we know each other pretty well, but this is your first time meeting Becca. So that's kind of fun. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> And I just want to say, Sherry, it's so nice to meet you. Thank you for letting me be here and this cool yeah. little experience we all get to have together. Well, it's awesome to meet you. Um, I told Allie, I have been listening to y'all's podcast um, since before I started massage school. So um, this is kind of a little bit surreal, to be honest, to be speaking to you. So um, I love it. I love it. congratulations on coming to full circle through your program and like seeing it all the way through. That's a big deal. Thank you. Align with the massage business mama comes to you with a combined 22 plus years experience in the massage biz as entrepreneurs, providing actionable tips and resources you can implement today. Becca, an off-grid living, quirky, trail-running massage therapist, esthetician, and yogi, offers her business and wellness perspective to you with highly caffeine-fueled, compassionate wit. Allie, your hard-working, driven, creative mom, massage therapist, business owner, lover of friend gatherings, all-time annual family talent show winner, brings her drive and business savvy to every episode. So Sherry, but before we dive in too deep, I would love for you to share with our listeners kind of the background that you came to massage with, how you got into massage and what we were, you were doing before you became a massage therapist. Sure. So I um, have been an occupational therapist now for 18, 19 years. And in OT school, I um, had a professor who was actually a massage therapist before he became an OT. And so he actually introduced our class to soft tissue work, primarily myofascial release and craniosacral therapy techniques. And so that was my initial introduction and I fell in love with it. And so through the years, I have sought out continuing education that was dealing with soft tissue work and then also functional movement and just kind of brought the two together and just saw through every setting that I worked in, whether it was neuro ortho, the patients all responded well to the soft tissue work and to the manual techniques. And so for me, I just kept going back to that. That was consistently what worked. But as an OT, we have very strict practice act and licensure laws in terms of how we can practice. So if I want to treat someone for an an elbow injury, I have to have a doctor's order. And then some insurances Once the order is for the elbow, that's all I can really touch. Even though the whole arm, neck, body's connected, I would have to go back to the doctor, get another order. And not that that's necessarily a problem, but it's additional steps and it's additional steps for the patient or the client. And so through the various areas that I've practiced, both in a military setting and in private sector, um, I just saw that there was kind of this missing link of the soft tissue work. 
as healthcare changes, insurance requirements, productivity standards, the opportunity to do some of the soft tissue work that I really felt like the patients needed, I couldn't really do, or I couldn't do to the extent that they needed. And so fast forward a little bit, it was on my heart that I should open a place, but I didn't necessarily want to open it as an OT because I felt very restricted if I didn't have a doctor that I was working under. And so I decided to go to massage therapy school. And so did that during the pandemic, um, which was just an awesome opportunity. Kind of the weird thing that came out of the pandemic is that the, the class was offered as a hybrid. So our content was taught via Zoom and then we did the in-clinic classroom hours. So I could still work and go to massage school. So for me, it became an immense blessing, but I went through massage school. And then um, fortunately, some of the things that I've been trained in through the years as an OT, I can also practice as a massage therapist using those techniques. So even though I'm a new grad, I do have some techniques, you know, already. And Sherry, you were, you were working in the hospital setting. Yes. At How many years were you in the hospital? I have been in the hospital pretty much my entire career because as an OT, you can work a regular job and then you can work PRN jobs. So like when I first graduated school, I worked in um, an acute inpatient rehab unit. So I saw patients that had strokes or spinal cord injuries or multi-traumas, those kind of things. But then I had like six or seven PRN jobs. And so just different settings from nursing home to wheelchair seating evals and ergonomics. So it was kind of, I just wanted to experience it and just see the different parts. Then I went to work in a hospital that was half acute inpatient rehab and half ortho and like specialized ortho. And so in that setting, I was um, doing like wound care, splinting. Um, working with patients with back surgery, knee surgery, hip surgery, but then also working with patients in that same acute inpatient rehab setting of neuro, multi-trauma, whatever it might be. And then I left there and went to work in an outpatient clinic. My first outpatient clinic was neuro and ortho. Um, So just seeing the patients after they had gone home, they would just come in on an outpatient basis. And then I transitioned from there to working out at Fort Benning with the soldiers. And um, that's significant because to me, that's where I got to see the greater impact of the soft tissue work kind of in a very open setting. So out there, I was working both in a hospital setting and then in like a standalone clinic setting. And I actually worked with some of the units. Like I worked with airborne, I worked with the riggers and the airborne instructors in that unit. And then I also worked with some of the National Guard best rangers. And so doing like injury prevention, performance enhancement, and so much of that was just soft tissue work. Um, And I actually paired with a chiropractor to do that and then left there. And I mean, each place, like I was there six and a half years. So it wasn't like I just came, (laughs) went, but after I left there, I would have two kids. So I wanted to have more time to be with them and not be in a full-time position. And so I um, went part-time at a orthopedic specialty hospital and I'm still there. So that's like where I'm still working, but yeah. So I've been in various settings and that's why this is kind of the culmination of all of those. (laughs) And the reason that I really wanted to talk to you a little bit about your experience is because 
you have this wealth of knowledge, experience, and professionalism that you bring to the table. And I think it's really pertinent to our story as we continue to talk about the situation that you had with trying to find a location. And so that's that's why I just really wanted our listeners to understand that you you come to the table with more than your average massage therapist right out the gate. So Sherry, I'd love for you to share with us kind of how you envisioned your practice looking in terms of location and the steps that you took to secure that that location based on your vision. Okay, so I went into massage school, obviously knowing that I wanted to come out owning my own place because for almost 20 years, I've been working for someone else. And part of the desire to open my own place was that I wanted to be able to do what I felt like the clients needed. So for me, that meant I wanted a space where, yes, I could do the soft tissue work on the table, um, kind of that traditional table work, but I also wanted a place where I could do movement with um, the clients because I feel like it's so important that from my standpoint and what I hope to do as a therapist is that I want to work on the soft tissue, but then I want to use corrective exercises or functional movement to kind of keep the body moving well and to empower individuals to do their own things at home to support what we've done in the clinic. And um, so I wanted a place that had multiple rooms. (laughs) Um, And after listening to actually your podcast, you know, on things to think about when finding a space, I initially started out looking for a place to rent, but commercial leases, they're all over the place, but a lot of them are pretty expensive in this area. And they didn't have the space that I was really looking for where they had too much space. (laughs) So I'd be paying for what I didn't need. And so then we started looking and I say we, because my family helped me started looking for a house in our area. There's a lot of older homes and some of them, you know, have been zoned for commercial and a lot of the massage studios or places are in older homes here. And so started looking for that and we found one <laughs> and it seemed perfect. And it was a so, zoned piece of property or it was, um, how was the zoning on, on the house that you guys found? So the house that we found was residential for its zoning, but it was next door like walk out the back door and touch the neighbor was commercial. So it was the realtor's office next door. And this location was also not even a quarter mile from the major, I wouldn't call it interstate, a highway, a four lane highway, major thoroughfare through there. And it also was on the major road that in our town ran from the downtown district area all the way to the next town. But that's the main road that everyone would take getting between the places. So it was residential, but convenient and not in a neighborhood. There were a couple houses to the other side of it, but yeah, it was residential. (laughs) So it was residential. So it wasn't, it wasn't zoned like the, the house that I used to operate out of. I operated out of it for, I think 12 years or something like that. It was, it could go either or. It was, it could be residential or it could be commercial based on what the owner chose to do with it. So um, it was clearly built as a house, 
at some point it had turned commercial. I was in it commercially. After I moved out, when I decided to downsize my practice, they turned it back into commercial or um, in, into residential. And it was interesting because at one point they were trying to have both, you know, residential and commercial within the same building. And that was against the rules in the town. So they had to choose one way or another, but this is not the case for, for where you were at. Yours was zoned residential. Yes. So, and it's either residential or commercial. Okay. <laughs> There's and no. So, and so you, you purchased the place knowing this. We did because the market is, it's probably like this everywhere, but it's insane. So we knew it would not stay on the market long. Um, so we went ahead and purchased it knowing it was not zoned, that there would be a process to zone it. But based on the research that we did, it met the requirements for commercial zoning. And so you just saw it as kind of a non-issue. You thought we'll be able to turn this into a commercial. So I would say a 90-10, <laughs> like 90%. I felt like, you know, there's going to be formalities and a process that we have to go through. Uh, 10% was like, you know, it still might not, <laughs> still might not go, but we knew that. And so also in purchasing it, we spoke with our realtor who she's been phenomenal and, um, we made sure if it doesn't zone, what would be the resale value if we make, you know, if we fix it up the way that we're planning to, because we're going to fix it up for the business anyway. So if it doesn't, then it's just a ma matter of maintaining it as a residential, but essentially flipping it like, you know, can we do that and not lose? <laughs> yeah. So we yeah. did take that into account leading up to it, but we did not think that that was going to be an issue. <laughs> so Sherry, what happens? <laughs> a, a whole lot of fun. Um, <laughs> so the zoning process in our town involves that you go through a planning commission meeting, and that's a board of several people that hear what your plan is. They have engineers that are involved. They kind of are supposed to be monitoring the growth of the town. And um, so you present to them and then they usually give a recommendation for the city council. And then the city council votes whether or not to zone it commercial or not. So for us, that first planning commission meeting, my family and I walked in knowing that one individual had called and expressed that they were against the zoning, the rezoning, which, okay. But what we didn't know is that that one individual had a whole neighborhood and they so campus to the neighborhood. Yes. So we went to the planning commission meeting and because I'm not doing a spa style massage, you know, we presented it as like medical massage or um, like restorative therapy. And we had an opportunity to explain what I was going to be doing. Um, we passed out an informative flyer just to help them understand and um, from that, <laughs> the people in opposition, which there's a neighborhood directly across from the property, and there's about six homes in it. And that neighborhood basically put out um, information about what was going to be going into that place because they didn't want it commercial. And what did um, they tell people, Sherry? What did they tell you your business was? Or what did they tell the neighbors that your business was going to be? So initially they were telling people that it was a massage parlor. And then um, I later found out 
that they were telling people it was an Asian massage parlor. And with each person that told me they shared that it was expressed in a derogatory way um, to convince people to be against the rezoning of it. And they had a petition signed to get people in. What they were doing is they would go to people's doors, they would leave flyers that said it was going to be a massage parlor and all that information to get the people to sign it. And so. So you have a Japanese last name. Yes, I do. (laughs) And, And so do you think that's contributing to this experience, this process of what happens? I definitely do. Um, because it was actually said, if they didn't say Asian, they would say Japanese massage parlor. So they specifically said that. And that's why I think part of it came from the flyer that was intended to be informative. And so the business name that I've chosen uses a Japanese term in it. And so there was that. There was also my last name. <laughs> and what's your um, business, Sherry? What's your business called? It's Mayado. And so the dough part is the Japanese. And so it was kind of um, surprising, definitely caught me off guard. My thing is, if someone was opposed to it being zoned commercial, that's great. That's why we have the opportunity to speak at a council meeting or at a planning commission meeting to express our concerns as citizens. And just as much as I have a right to express my desire to have a business there, they have a right to be against the zoning. But what wasn't right was presenting uh, misinformation yep. and derogatory information. Yeah. Did you zoning your location as commercial affect that residential um, neighborhood? Did it affect their property value? Did it, did it affect anything in that way? Or is it primarily, do you feel just that association or basically fear. your name? Yeah, fear. <laughs> so... They did not, next to their neighborhood was another neighborhood, but there's a a piece of land at the opening of that neighborhood that is owned by a big developer in town. My property was across the street from that, so it did not touch. And that's only relevant because my understanding of the zoning was that it would have to be contiguous with the property for there to be any threat of that property next to their neighborhood zoning. So since we didn't touch that shouldn't have been a threat. Um, The other thing is that there were two houses to the left of our property. And so their concern was that if my property went commercial, the others could develop commercial. Now, having said that, the city has a master plan that actually identified that location as where they wanted mixed commercial and residential. So per the zoning regulations in our town and per the master plan that was set out by our town, we were compliant with all of it. And we were, we would have been next door to um, another commercial property. So I don't know that they actually had a problem with me with a Japanese last name. Um, Obviously my husband's Japanese descent. I don't know that that was actually, I think they just used that simply yeah. To get other people as propaganda. To, yes. To yeah. be opposed to it. And so actually I was at work the other day and one of our rehab techs who's new to us and just recently moved in the area 
was we were talking and I said, I finally have a place to lease for my business. And as we got into discussion, she was like, wait a minute, where were you going to have your business? And then when I told her, I didn't realize that she lived in the neighborhood next to the, we'll call it the opposition. <laughs> and she's like, oh my gosh, they came to my door. She's like, this is what they told me. And oh my goodness, there's no way that I would have signed that paper. Had I not like, no, you know? And so she, so she was very she upset. What did she say? She did. She did. She did. They had done Be- such a sure. good job of creating that fear in the mind of people. Yes. And, well, and I know, feel like that's kind of in the media right now too. Like it's been, you know, inflamed. Especially, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, it was Georgia where there was the, um, the shooting, yeah. you know, you're not too far from Georgia. So. Yeah. So I go to Target in Georgia, like in my I'm sitting in Georgia oh, wow. right now. Okay. <laughs> so okay. my new office is in Georgia. Um, and okay. actually where those shootings occurred was about an hour and a half because I'm an hour and a half south of Atlanta. Okay. So can you challenge this at a later time? I mean, I'm sure there's got to be steps to where you can continue to No, no, you're shaking your head. No, no, no. <laughs> so, and actually <laughs> that was part of the frustration is that the night that we found out that the city was going against it. So we went through the planning commission, but then we also had to go through the city council meeting. And like, it was such a um, big point of discussion in the community that they actually, we were supposed to be doing Zoom council meetings because of COVID cases increasing, but they actually had the meeting in person and went to the largest location that they could because they anticipated so many people being there speaking both in favor and against the zoning. Yeah. (laughs) So it was like a three or four month process and we had to go and speak, you know, before the planning commission, we had to speak before the city council and basically defend. And you got Um, letters of recommendation. You had people kind of talking on your behalf and doing all of these things. Yeah. There was a lot of um, Facebook traffic that happened, like some of the posts regarding the business reached over 5,500 people as friends would, you know, were sharing it and things like that. Even one of the council members said that he had seen all the traffic and he knew, you know, that there was a great deal of support in the community for the business and for me as a business owner at that location. And um, there were people that spoke on my behalf, people that I had either worked on as a student or um, worked with at other locations like at Fort Benning and stuff. And so, I mean, I definitely had a lot of people stand up. And that's one thing that I think is important too, is that for the amount of people that spoke against it, they may have been the loudest and used the not so good methods, but there were so many people that came out in support and so many people in the community that were just as appalled as I was by what was happening, you know, and didn't want that to be representative of our community because that's not the general experience. And so it caught a lot of us off guard, to be honest, that that was the tactic used to try to prevent the zoning. Well, and one of the things that I, I kind of keep talking to Sherry about is this idea of like the legacy that we, we leave behind. And I, I really feel like that this story is going to have ripple effects and that it's going to open people's eyes when it's spoken about 
in a thoughtful way when it's there's there's conscious discussions that happened around it. Um, I think that it has a huge opportunity to just really shed some light on some not so great things that that we have going on in terms of prejudice. And I just feel like it's a great opportunity to educate too, to create lines of education and information on what medical massage looks like and what you specifically offer looks like just to connect. It's not my own experience. Um, I've never had any, uh, I am Mexican and Canadian. So I've, I've never had any form of, you know, resistance professionally. Um, personally, there has been a little bit here and there. You're always going to find pockets, no matter your race or being woman or whatever. Gosh, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> people are just in a bad mood. And yeah, but with my mom in a small town, we lived in Nevada and our last name was Hernandez. And she is a reflexologist trained in Canada. It is a medical, it, it, it is a part of the holistic healing healthcare up in Canada. More and I think it's becoming, accepted. what's that? More widely accepted maybe than. Yeah, it's accredited. I mean, up there. So it is part of the institution. So, but when she went to open her studio and it's just with the feet, it's reflexology. She's Irish and she's uh, Scottish, you know, that's, that's her descent. But the last name Hernandez was very uncomfortable for this small community to accept uh, so her experience was it was easier for her to change her last name to watch her, uh, her, her given name, um, which she chose to do. And this is back in the 80s. So, you know, that kind of experience, it's, it's still around <laughs> and it's still an opportunity for education. We still need room for growth. And I know that's the route that she took. Uh, when I told her that we were meeting with you, she was like, oh my, she just, she felt so much for you. And um, <laughs> I was going to say, know, we so. definitely uh, share a similar experience. Yeah. And, you know, another yeah. thing too that I, you know, I really feel like strongly for Sherry is like, Sherry, you have this opportunity to, you have children, you have this opportunity to empower your children in the ways that you choose to handle this situation, in the ways that you choose to show up in this situation, in the ways that you choose to talk about the situation. And that that, again, is these ripple effects where, you know, we can break down some of these prejudices in our next generation of children that are coming up. And that's, that's the piece that I, I really hope comes from this story. And even, even like the woman you were talking about who has presented the story in one way and signed the petition, you know, you're, you're opening her eyes a few weeks later. Yes. And, you know, that was one of the things. So the way I found out about the ethnic part being involved through my doctor, very trusted source. He's very well respected in the community, extremely well respected in the community, you know, and he spoke up, he did a devotional that kind of brought it to light, you know, taking it from kind of a, a national to even on our local level. And when he shared with me that part, I was not at home. And so when you speak about kids, like I kept it together in the phone call, but when I got off, I was like, Oh, you know, I, I had to take some breaths. I started crying because I was like, I can't go home here. I am my husband, my children, cause my children favor my husband. Um, and so I didn't know what to say because I didn't want to say it to my children and I didn't 
want to talk to my husband about it while they were, you know, the kids were up. And so I drove around, I called a friend and just kind of got it off my chest because I was like, I will never know what they experience daily. I will never know what they encounter when they walk in somewhere. And though I feel like they haven't experienced anything in our area, I also, it made me appreciate that we had not come as far as I thought we had. And so for me, we have not told them, our children about, we told them that people were saying untrue things about mommy's business. And um, we said, like when I would go to the meetings to speak, we just told them that mommy had to go speak about the truth of our business. But, you know, I'll always walk beside my husband and my children. And I feel like this wasn't the moment that I planned to be in, but it was kind of the moment that I was called to. And that Mm -hmm. if through this experience, we can have a conversation so that the next person that it, you know, that experiences it, that they don't have as much of the experience, you know, if we can chip away at it, because it, it, it just felt like, even though I don't like to be out there about things, I just felt like this wasn't my choice to make. The situation had happened. And if I didn't speak up, if I didn't have conversations about it, the next would be my children to face it. And what would I have allowed to happen between the time that I experienced it and the time that they were going to experience it. And so for me, and I still feel that there's need (laughs) for continued conversation and that um, as opportunities present, when it needs to be spoken about, you know, we'll speak about it, but it's, it's very important to me just to know that my kids will have a chance, you know, and there, and there's other parents and there's other moms and dads out there that want their kids. You know, this is what we collectively as parents want for our children is a better world to live in. I think we're seeing a lot of um, just in, I don't know how old your kids are, but just in um, our news feed, we're seeing a lot of disinformation. And so it's a conversation that is really present. And so, I mean, it's almost a great educational tool for them to see that across the board and use their critical thinking. And I'm sorry, you're having to go through this and they are too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's for a reason. And so in that, I think we're given what we're supposed to have to be in the moment that we're in. And so I just um, hope that I am doing justice to what's been placed before me, you know. Well, you are clearly I, such an intelligent and thoughtful, graceful human being. So <laughs> I mean, I think that it would be so no easy doubt. to like have be bitter about it. Yeah. And be like, yeah. Just talking trash about the area and that has is not how you've chosen to show up and present. And I think that anytime that we do choose to rise above, that it does give more opportunities to have these real conversations where we can actually break down stereotypes and do better. So I, I yeah. think I agree with Becca. I think you're pretty amazing, amazing you. how you're handling this and amazing how you're showing up. Well, and I think so too, just not for the ethnic background, but for massage therapists, like I felt yes. kind of, you know, that, wait a minute, 
God, it's y'all are totally misrepresenting a whole profession of people, you know, when they started out calling it a massage parlor. And I'm like, that's another battle that we're having, you know, and for me as an occupational therapist, the experience of them saying it as a massage parlor too, I was like, wait a minute, like, that's not okay. You know, and um, even within my circle of friends early on, when I started massage school, a couple of people made a comment about, oh, you're looking for a massage parlor. I'm like, time out. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you just can't use that terminology. It's not, that's not okay anymore. Like that doesn't promote the profession as a profession. And I'm like, you've got a lot of skilled individuals. Not an accurate representation of what we are. No. <laughs> and for you to find it so valuable in your clinical setting to see such profound results with your clientele and to have people just kind of call it, you know, this derogatory slang. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of surprised, but you know, when I was like, Hey, like, that's not, let's change this term. I mean, everyone that I said that to, it was not a confrontation. It was like, Oh, okay. Like I didn't, you know, so I don't think it has to be a confrontation. I just think it has to be an education. For sure. For sure. So the house didn't work out. Did not. (laughs) What's going on with the house now? So we, I say we, my dad and my husband are really the ones doing it because I'm watching the kids while they're doing it are fixing up the house. And so um, just finishing off some of the upgrades and updates to the home. So um, it's going to be a little bit longer before we list it. And in the meantime, you found an office. I did unexpectedly too. I honestly, when it didn't get zoned, I really was like, okay, this is God just telling me that I need to take a pause and that's okay. And I can really be intentional about the time with my kids, intentional about finishing up some certifications that I was working on online, but I had people reaching out and I wanted to be able to help. And then in a discussion with a friend, they told me about a space that might be available I checked into that, but in checking into that, I started doing some more research in the area just for comps. And so the short of it is I found an office space to lease that was actually affordable and big enough that I can do both the soft tissue work and the movement. Now it's not the way that I saw it happening or like this space. So, you know, we're going to make do and and we're going to make it work. And I think it's a great place to start. I think it's it may actually be better in a lot of ways. Certainly less risk involved with, you know, being being a leasee. If there's anything big that happens, you can move to a new location more easily. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And for me, because I do plan to still work as an OT, I'm not planning to leave that job. I did not want a space that financially... <laughs> was going to be like the cost of a full-time space. I mean, if I was doing massage full-time, that would be different, but I needed a space that was one big enough to do what I needed to do, but not so costly that basically I was just doing the work to pay for the space. Yeah. Another thing that I kind of want to touch on is something that came out of this was you had this, this community next door to you that was really championing for you. It's a tough word. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Um, And got some exposure from that. And I mean, how did that feel? So it was 
overwhelming, to be honest, just because I don't mind doing work, but I don't, I'm not out in the front a lot. (laughs) And so for someone to take notice of what was happening and to be supportive, it was the neighboring mayor, which I was given the connection through the doctor who presented the devotional. But just in one conversation with that mayor, he said, we'd love to have you in our community. And he said, here's my cell phone number. Text me, call me directly. He's like, I'll personally help you find a place. He's like, you know, I definitely think we can make a home for you here. And he was just so above and beyond what he had to do or needed to do. And so that was very, very awesome, especially in contrast to the experience that I had gone through in the community where I lay my head. (laughs) So for me, it makes me want to cry. (laughs) (laughs) But it's one of those things that, that to me just shows that anytime there's negative, you just, sometimes you have to stand still and the positive will come. And sometimes you have to look for it. But again, just overwhelmed by the whole situation, by the outpouring of people that were sharing Facebook posts and that were reaching out another person in the community that I'm in now, you know, they reached out and said, Hey, let's, let's stay in touch. So when you're ready to get a space, like I want to help you. And so to me, that just shows what a small percentage the opposition truly was. And um, you said they were the loudest, but not necessarily the biggest in number for that positive movement. It just might take a little bit longer for that positive education and and influence and energy, it just takes a little longer. And that's okay. That's part of our process. And I love, I love how everything's, you know, kind of moving and happening and progressing. Yes. It's, it's been um, just so amazing and humbling because honestly, the journey has twisted and turned in so many different ways, but it's been amazing the whole time. And if I could have done it as I planned, I don't think it would have been as good, like I've grown so much as a person, I feel very comfortable in my clinical skills, but from a business standpoint, I'm just completely green and like (laughs) way in over my head. (laughs) But having said that, (laughs) um, taking Allie's course, I mean, that made me have the confidence to, to step into this process and through this process, Allie has just been tremendous Mm -hmm. support, guidance, um, direction, and I mean, that's, you're making me blush. again, <laughs> but it's true because it's all those pieces. And that's so much my weakness is the business component. And so to have you one, share all the information through your course, but then two, to reach out on a personal level and say, Hey, have you thought about this? Or maybe you should try that being a resource where I could ask questions. I don't feel like I'm fumbling I can't imagine going through this process, having not taken your class or having not, you know, had you reaching out, like it's, it makes a big difference, you know, and I think that I'm probably the majority of people that were strong clinically, but business-wise we're like, uh, what do I need to do? (laughs) (laughs) For real. It's scary when those curveballs come at you, you know, you, it's like, you can plan for the best case scenario, but when the curveballs come, it's like, how do you rebound from a situation like that how do you keep putting those feet in front of each other you know sometimes life and business can be hard I mean it truly feels like you get knocked down and I feel like I just stood up and dusted off and was like oh 
okay, so this is how business is. So, all right, let's just keep going. Like, we'll take the next hit when it comes and we'll do the best that we can in each situation. And so it reduces the fear factor. You know, I think going through hard times, you realize not your own strength. I mean, obviously faith is a strong part of mine, but then the the village that's been around me um, and on Facebook, I refer to it as a Mido family. I mean, it's just grown and offered so much support that I just didn't see that coming. And, um, and that's, that's stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. Immensely. Yeah. It is hard to get back up when you encounter that resistance. Like, I love that you brought that up because it, we don't know business, right? Like that's not our strength in massage. Right. We, we don't do math. We don't do business. <laughs> We're really good with touching and helping and right. help. <laughs> and so it is hard as soon as, I mean, in my own experience, I know when I've encountered resistance where I just maybe have felt out of my element, I kind of withdraw. And so it's just, I mean, you've hit a huge line of resistance and you're dusting it off and it's just so powerful. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, that's where I feel like having Allie, you know, in the background cheering me along, it was like, for me, faith is very strong. And so I also felt like I was called to open a place and I feel like I was called. And so in that, I was like, well, if I was called, I don't have to be afraid of it. And mm-hmm. so that's a huge part for me. And so I was like, even if you're called, that doesn't mean it's easy. That just means that you're where you're supposed to be. And so knowing that I kind of feel like I just have to take what comes. <laughs> and keep putting one foot in can. front of the other. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, would you do anything differently in hindsight? Or do you feel like those lessons have, have or will continue to serve you well? And- so I've honestly thought about would I do anything differently? and. I don't think I would. I honestly don't because I feel like at each step I did my research each step. I made the best decision I could at the time, given the information that I had. And I, I wouldn't want to know the, the way I feel like I'm seeing Garth Brooks here. (laughs) I wouldn't want to know the way it would all go. Um, (laughs) Just because I might not have tried. Yeah you know, and I've grown so much through just trying that I think that's preparing me for the next step. And hopefully it also prepares me to help others along the way. What I learned, I can share, which I appreciate this opportunity to share it on the podcast because yeah, if someone else goes through it, it's like, just hang in there. Like you can do this, you know, I just want to echo your gratitude for Allie. So before I started the podcast, I was, I was fumbling through my own anxiety of starting a business and not knowing how, not knowing A to Z and everything in between so lost and still figuring it out. But Allie is such a leader. She brings people together. She's open. She's an amazing resource. And just by doing this podcast with her and being more involved in the process. I've learned so much. I just, I'm so glad to hear just, you know, you're, yeah, I'm just glad to hear your adulation, you know, for the course. And I just, I know it's her, she's, she's a wealth. She's amazing. 
<laughs> and she's right where she's supposed to be. You know? I think yeah, it's like is. a little yeah, Zoom is. hug right now, you guys. So yeah, Zoom hug. Is, like, yeah. in the middle of a screen and Sherry's looking at Becca's above me and I like feel like I'm just, you guys are just too much. Like the Brady uh, Bunch We love hug. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I have a question. What community are you in now? So you're leasing in the same community or have you moved over to where the other mayor is or so this area is a little confusing we're just a border town so literally I leave my house and can cross over into Georgia within three minutes so it might as well be the same town but it's obviously a different state different town so I am actually my office space is in Columbus Georgia and I live in Phoenix City which we're separated by the Chattahoochee River and so you literally just cross the river. The town Smith Station is where Mayor Copeland has been and still is very supportive. And my long-term goal is still to have my own place. And so I will still be in contact with him because he does have a great community and the community is growing. And there's lots of people that I know in the community and they just echo the sentiment that it's just a great place to be. And so that town is equal distance as Columbus. For me. So in Phoenix City, I'm kind of in the middle of the two towns, but I will be here at least a year and I'm just kind of open. I mean, I'm not really sure where it's going to go, how it's going to go. <laughs> so, but not to say anything, but maybe planting a myodo center seed, like a whole center, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> oh, I would love to have yeah. um, like a gym. Yes. And I think people are more open to it than I think they've ever been, you know, as a clinician, seeing changes in healthcare, you get frustrated, but then as a patient, seeing changes in healthcare, you get frustrated. So mm-hmm. I feel like what I'm doing is somewhere in the middle, both for the clinician and for the client. And, you know, there's other healthcare providers that I know, chiropractors, physical therapists, PTAs, athletic trainers. And so there's several of us in this community that are like-minded and I would love to partner with them and see what we can do for our community. So if someone finds themselves near Phoenix city, Alabama, (laughs) or if they just want to follow you, what's the best way to connect with you, Shay? So I am actually on Facebook. It's Myodo movement and massage. And we will link to that in our show notes. Yeah. And then um, for my email address, it would just be sherry at myodo.com. And there's a dash between the O and the D. And again, if someone is more comfortable with email, (laughs) that's fine with me Yeah. either way. Well, again, Sherry, thank you so much for being on. It was really, it's, it's been a pleasure to get to know you over the last year. It's been almost a year now. It has. Um, It's crazy. (laughs) Really fun to have you on the show. I'm glad you and Becca got a chance to meet. And so nice to meet you, Sherry. And just thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. You know, it's a, it's a little bit of a hard story. Um, There's a lot of emotions tied up in it and it's just, I appreciate you for sharing it with us. I appreciate you for the grace that you're bringing to the table when you talk about it. And I think that it contributes to big ripple effects that can have positive impacts on our community. It's great meeting you, Becca. I've been listening to you, (laughs) both of (laughs) y'all. Your story is so powerful, and I see the way that it can not only ripple in your community, but also in the massage profession. Like this has been something that Ali and I talk about often: is 
why isn't there a way or how, why haven't we elevated the massage profession to that professional healthcare level? Like it needs to be across the board nationally. We're getting there, maybe baby steps. Sometimes it seems like we're taking steps back, but you know. And it was in our history (laughs) as a profession. Massage was the, you know, gymnast, the medical gymnast that, you know, and we had such a strong place in medicine, the early Swedish days. (laughs) Right. You know, right. We will, we will get back to that. I think so. I see it happening. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I think that, you know, podcasts like this and like all the other podcasts out there and, you know, there's, there's a lot of really smart individuals in the massage industry. And I feel like, I feel like our voices are beginning to be heard and I'm, I'm hopeful. Me too. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> well, on that note, Thanks for joining us listeners and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening and please reach out to us. If you have any questions or topics you would like covered, we love suggestions. Find us at www.alignwiththemassagebusinessmama.com. Also, We wouldn't hate it if you were inclined to share or review our episode. Until next time, stay healthy, massage therapists.